1: G'day. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Washer Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. As kids, we learn to wash our hands before we eat or after we use the toilet so we don't get sick. But do do, do we learn that about ideas? Do we learn that about people? It's pretty simple to explain to a child that there's bugs that we can't see, which can get into our tummies and make us vomit, get the runs, and that extends to, no, we don't eat food out of the bin and we make a sandwich for lunch today on a plate that's from today. We don't make today's lunch sandwich on the plate that's unwashed from yesterday. It might take us a few experiences of getting quite ill from not practicing good food hygiene until we get it, but look, you only really you only really need to get one jolly good dose of gastro, and you'll be drinking water out of the bottle and washing your hands well for the rest of your life. What's well, What's kind of wild is that a Our bodies are designed to know. Our noses can actually detect the smell of food that's not right to eat. We've evolved that way. It's great. We can sniff a bottle of milk and our body knows, oh, no, don't put that on the cereal. We weren't taught that. We come with that warning system built in. The same goes for our taste. We can bite a service station hot dog and taste that tingle and go, oh, no, no, not eating that tonight. We're lucky that's there. However, some bugs can still slip through and ruin your whole holiday, which is why we wash our hands and we only drink safe drinking water when we can. But where's that protocol for ideas or people? Are we making sure that we only ingest ideas that are good for us? Are we getting ideas and information out of the fridge or out of the bin? Are we surrounding ourselves with people who are like fresh fruit or do we spend time with people who are like rotting vegetables? That was a really great Dead Kennedys record. I'm going to listen to that later on. Do the conversations that we have with people that we choose to be around, that leave us satisfied and, and looking forward to more, like a perfectly crunchy apple picked fresh from the tree and still warm from the sun? Or are the conversations we're having with people like an open wheelie bin on a hot Queensland day. The interesting thing here is that sometimes we don't realise that's what's happening. I know a guy uh, who actually used to work in the sewerage system here in Sydney, and he confirmed to me that the old saying is apparently true. If you spend enough time wading through shit, eventually you stop smelling it. What happens when the conversations that we're having, the relationships we're in, romantic or friendship relationships? What happens when they turn sour? As these things can sometimes happen slowly, we might not notice it. And before you realize, you've stopped smelling the shit. What happens then is that over time, the negative energy, the negative vibes, the negative view of the world that starts to permeate your own thinking, soon you're oscillating on the same frequency of this other person and you're not even realizing it. Our body's warning signs might have given us a little... Like a twinkle of an alarm when these things first started happening, but I don't know. Maybe we dismissed it, we justified it. That oh no, but this is my you know this is my partner, or otherwise we gave gave them a chance to reset. I gave the whole thing a chance to reset because they're a friend, or because we like them, because we love them. But those warning signs sometimes just become a part of the experience of spending time with that person, and they can just kind of fade into the whole signal to noise ratio, and they don't show up as a warning anymore. It just becomes what it is to be with them. A couple of years ago, after I got sober, I went to spend uh, the weekend with my mate Steve, my best mate Steve and his family down at their farm at Lennox Heads, beautiful place, kangaroos in the front yard. Now, by this point, I was sober, I was on meds, I was intensely working on getting my shit together. And on the second morning, Steve kind of leaned back in his chair and said, it's real easy to spend time with you now, man. There was a while there when I'd, I'd feel strange for hours after we hung out. That's not there anymore. Of course, I did not realize that I had been that guy. However, it made sense when I look back on it. It was pretty, I was a pretty odd person. If there's a person in your life that makes you feel a bit icky, angry, smaller than, doesn't return favors, judges people outside the two of you as oh, look at them, like judges them as less than a person that has a better story than you every single time you might not be aware of the health effects that that's having on you. There's evidence about stress-related illness that it's impossible to ignore. It's okay to have a normal stress response, the feeling that, I don't know, after seeing a stop sign too late and locking up the brakes, trying to avoid driving in the intersection or a dog barking unexpectedly through a fence on your stroll through the neighborhood, like ooh, like that feeling, that's normal. However, those stress hormones that you feel they're also part of an emotional response to negativity in people. Cortisol is the name of the the main hormone. It changes the sugars in your bloodstream, it alters your immune responses, suppresses the digestive system, a few other things. And if the levels of those stress hormones remains elevated for a long time, for example, if you're constantly exposed to negative people, uh, that feeling, that fight or flight feeling, it stays turned on. And that becomes chronic stress, and chronic stress puts you at risk of illness, puts you at risk of health problems, headaches, muscle pain, heart disease, weight gain, sleep issues, even a heart attack. Emotional negativity in our lives absolutely can make us physically ill. And it's not just the people that we spend time with, it's the things that we spend our time doing. There was a time when I followed people online who were around my age, Who were lifting the same kind of weights I was lifting. Pretty soon, I found that I kept seeing more and more pictures of men around my age with like 10% body fat, huge shoulder muscles, biceps like NRL balls. And instead of feeling inspired, I felt shit about myself. It took me a long time, too long, took me too long to realize this. I don't follow those people anymore. Similarly, I'm very careful about how I read the news. There was a time when I'd just be glued to my news feeds. And I've spoken before on this show. I just kept getting served more and more articles of more and more intensity, which made me feel more and more shit inside. But a part of me, I don't know, liked that stimulation, even though it was negative st- stimulation. So I kept scrolling and the apps just kept showing because they're the things that I was stopping on. they the things that I was looking at. And I'd get trapped in there literally doom scrolling, my body all the while reacting to all this negativity that would stay with me for hours, hours afterwards. I had a problem with a a site or an app called Reddit, you may know it. It's one of those apps that's just full of excellent utility but also some pretty fucked up things. And the way that I was using the app, I left myself exposed to seeing, without knowing that it was coming, some pretty awful things, all right? I'd just be kind of scrolling away and it would be, God, like I'd get my phone out and I don't know, it'd be like, oh, cat video. Oh, cool. Laser exploding a balloon. Oh, war footage of a person being blown to pieces. Uh, Cat, cat, horrific torture and beheading video. Uh, Oh, cute sheep. Oh, Uh, A cop shooting an unarmed person of color in the USA. Oh, cool laser exploding a balloon full of talcum powder. You want to guess which images haunted me once I put my phone down? It most definitely wasn't the frolicky cute sheep. I was allowing myself to be exposed to dangerous images, dangerous ideas, truly awful aspects of humanity amplified beyond their probable occurrences in reality. Within 10 minutes... I've seen three episodes of horrific violence, and now I have the feeling that the terrorists are coming to behead me, blow me to pieces. And if I go to the cop, well, that that cop's a racist who's ready to murder somebody. My view of the world changes, but it's not reality. The way I've been feeding my brain information has kind of infected me like a pathogen with a distorted view of reality. Now, I'm not saying those horrible things didn't happen. They absolutely did. But they did. They happened years apart, thousands of kilometres apart, and as ghoulish and as ghastly and as horrible as each one of them are, for every act of horrific violence and racism, there are millions, if not billions, of examples of people being kind to each other. They have to exist. Those moments of kindness and connection and humanity, those moments allow our societies to actually function. But those moments never make the news they're never filmed and for me this distortion led to enormous discomfort physical and emotional discomfort i was jumping at spiders sometimes sometimes i'd want to scratch that really awful itch in my brain to go back and look at more of those things which is something i just can't understand but it also had the offline effect when i wasn't looking at my phone and certainly when i was not doing very well and my window of tolerance to adversity was very, very narrow. I found that if I watched or read enough of this kind of thing, if I saw enough articles or saw enough videos uh, of this kind of negative stuff, stereotyping would show up in my brain. These thoughts these thoughts took me quite by surprise, and I you know I was, I was kind of ashamed that these ideas were even in my brain in the first place. Uh, don't worry I did some work around that. I'm mindful of them. And then I'm, I'm really careful. Those thoughts don't pop up automatically anymore. They haven't for a long time. What I'm talking about here is that I wasn't practicing good information hygiene. And these images, these thoughts, these articles, and the, these ideas were making me literally physically and mentally unwell. Now, I'm far more careful about my phone these days. I don't ignore or pretend that awful things can and do happen in the world, not at all. But I do try to make sure that I remind myself to not fall prey to the idea that just because I read about it a lot means that it happens a lot. That's not real. I put some boundaries around the information that I ingest. I'm also quite careful around my sources. Am I getting my information out of the fridge or am I getting my information out of the bin? I'm I'm careful to recognise my own biases, my own stereotypes that show up, and they always do. They still do. I try to question them as they show up. I try not to feel ashamed that they're in me. Uh, The extraordinary, extraordinary human being Maya Angelou, she's got a great line, do your best until you can know better, then when you know better, do better. And, And that's something that I try to do every day. I still make mistakes, but I just try to do better. I'm also really careful about the volume of information I'm consuming. Again, like food, if I eat too much junk food, my body will get sick. If I ingest too much junk information, my brain will get sick. So with the news I now read it once a day in the morning for a total of 10 minutes and that's it. I'm constantly while I do that I'm checking in with my body when I'm reading it. Also when I'm when I'm following people online I check in with my body like do I feel a bit shit when I look at this picture? Am I judging myself? Am I comparing myself? Do I feel less than? Do I feel not enough? If that's what happens that's an unfollow. My self worth in that space clearly isn't strong enough yet to deal with this information, this picture, or this text. So I'll give myself the space to work on my own self worth by making sure those images or ideas aren't in my face every day. There's this particular person in the news make me feel awful and sad and hopeless. It's if there's no avoiding them because I don't know they're a uh, I don't know like a prime minister or a president. I I try really hard to find empathy and compassion for them. One way is I try to remember that everybody thinks they're doing the best thing, not just for them, but for me as well. They think they're doing me a favour by having this particular policy. I try to get there. And that's it. That's what I do. I put my phone down. And I go and try and do some breathing, calm down a bit, try to do something around the house, try and be of service. The opposite of all this stuff I'm talking about is that once you start surrounding yourself with great people, once you start to see the world and be in the world with those people, you start to see the world and be in the world from a place of of greatness. Everyone plays better tennis when they play someone better than they are. You rise to it. If you surround yourself with the winners, with the people who are the most positive and see the most possibility in life, then possibility starts to become a part of the way you see the world. It's not ignoring the opposite, but it is arming you with options because the alternative is that fear leaves you just a a binary choice and possibility gives you options. Feed your brain great brain food and great things happen to your brain. Feed your brain junk brain food, and the arteries of your thinking can become clogged, allowing only a narrow worldview to pass through them. Now, most of all, whatever the brain equivalent of washing your hands before you eat and after you do a poo is, do that. (laughs) I know I'm relating this all to food, but that's the only way that I can figure out to to get these ideas across. Um, I hope you get some value out of that. Uh... (laughs) Thanks for being a part of it for this long. If you, if you like what you heard today, I'm here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, just search Better Than Yesterday, wherever you get your podcasts. If this, if this episode was of value to you, consider sharing it with someone. I'd really appreciate that. Thanks for being a part of it. I'll see you back here Monday. Uh, until then, uh, big thanks to everyone that helped me make the show, Andy Maher on audio and video post-production, Bruce Steele, our producer, Rachel Barrett, our executive producer, Tal Hider on the music, and you for being a part of it. Until we speak Monday, look after yourself. See you then.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.